Welcome to the 11th episode in an old season of Amazing Race Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Armstrong, and joining me as always is a Canadian who I'm pretty sure has a film in his collection where someone goes to get Nook Nook, Logan Saunders. Good morning. And the lady who is emotionally and physically exhausted just watching this season, Michelle Fistenevin. Good evening. Good evening. We've switched up the recording time after seven weeks of no yeah. recording. Yeah, it's good that I get to do it at night time instead. Literally both Michelle and Logan have uh, have had birthdays since we last recorded. <laughs> Thank the Chinese government for our change in recording time. <laughs> Thank you, Chinese government. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you, China. Thank you, China. And I know Logan absolutely adores this episode in particular. It's one of my all-time favorite, if not Amazing Race episodes, I would say one of my all-time favorite reality TV episodes. It is very, very memorable for me. The celebration that Terry and Ian do at the end of this episode, when they check in first, I believe is still your Skype profile picture. Yeah, and I think my Twitter profile picture, if I'm not mistaken. (laughs) So, like, ten years it stayed the same? (laughs) Yeah, I think it is your Twitter one as well. Yeah, I would change it. I remember it was my Facebook profile picture, I think, for a little bit. But definitely on Skype, I remember back in the day, there was an ORG podcast a couple times. And then the one guy who was a host, who was a real douchebag and still is, he was like, why are Terry and Ian your profile picture? Why why Terry and Ian? Who, Who likes Terry and Ian? It's like, who likes Terry and Ian? I like Terry and Ian. And so do many others. Have just checked it is still your Twitter picture. Yep. So previously, five teams flew to Singapore, an uneasy alliance between Flo and Zach and Ken and Gerard caused more arguments between Flo and Zach, bromance blossom between Flo and Drew, who won the leg with his twin brother, Derek. John Vito and Jill went from first to worst and were eliminated from the race, leaving our final four as Derek and Drew, Ken and Gerard, Flo and Zach, and Terry and Ian. What a final four for reality TV. Yeah. What a Final Four indeed. It's one of the strongest Final Fours character-wise ever. And we get lucky again that the weakest characters of the Final Four go home in this episode. And Phil's intro uh, includes one of my favourite phrases, which is towering above the city, Mount Faber, at a height of 106 metres. Towering. (laughs) And we also get Phil mentioning that Terry and Ian are old again, which has been away for a few weeks. Yeah, well, Terry and Ian, the oldest couple to get this far in the race, be able to get out of last place. I'm thinking, didn't Phil say that three times in each of the first three (laughs) recaps he did at the start of the season? And then he says, well, Flo and Zach still have tension. And I'm thinking, um, based on what happens the rest of the season, I don't think you can even use the word tension for the first ten episodes because (laughs) things escalate. Yeah, I think we should say this before we properly get into the episode. We obviously love Flo and Zach. I liked them up until episode 10. <laughs> I know Michelle's got some thoughts about Flo's behaviour from last episode onwards, and some of it does venture towards this is getting a bit uncomfortable right now. <laughs> Mainly this episode and next episode, I'd say. Yeah, I don't think Flo has gone back to Vietnam since Amazing Race 3. I think it's fair to say she does have Vietnam flashbacks. <laughs> Jesus. I don't think she can use that phrase around Ian, who who actually fought in Vietnam. 
So teams must now fly to Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam, where the race flags will be solid yellow, so as to not be confused with the colours of the flag of Vietnam, and find the statue of Bac Ho in Rick Square, known to the rest of the world as Ho Chi Minh. They have $100 for this leg of the race. I think they stopped doing that, didn't they, with their Vietnam visit? They did, yes. 22, I think, was the last one to actually use differently coloured flags. 22 didn't use any any flags at all, or any route markers at all. And then uh, every season before that used different colours. And I think since then, any Vietnam visit has had normal colours, normal colour schemes. Is that just to make it a little bit hard, like a twist for the contestants? Like, oh, we're going to make it the same colour as the flags now. No help from production here. Or do they just not have the budget to create their own flags? Or specifically for the Vietnam legs? I think it's more that Vietnam has come a long enough way away from the former flag of South Vietnam, which they were trying not to emulate, that people aren't going to be insulted when they see the uh, the colour scheme of the former flag of South Vietnam. And especially when they have the Amazing Race Vietnam since Amazing Race 22, I believe. Which didn't use the red and yellow flags, it used orange and green. Really? Yeah, now they, and I guess they're probably, if there's an Amazing Race Vietnam, I'm sure they're familiar with the American version. So if they see Phil Kogan, they're going to say, oh, holy shit, it's Phil Kogan. Um, when the only thing I've got for the square is in caps, flow, stop yelling, just stop yelling. Oh my God. Speaking of which, it's hilarious you say that because the very first note I have after Derek and Drew depart at 10.22pm and Ken and Gerard depart at 10.33pm, Flo and Zach depart at 10.34pm and the very first thing I write about Flo and Zach is Zach's quote of, I look forward to never having Flo yell at me again. And I'm thinking, <laughs> you gotta wait a few more days, Zach, you're not out of the woods yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love I just love all the unintentional humor in this. And for those of you um who were not aware, I think when this Vietnam episode originally aired, there was some sort of political news going on in Washington State at the time. Where I live in Canada, I live in BC. So the American affiliate station for for CBS is based in Washington State. And there's some really major news going on there. So the first 10 minutes of the broadcast of this episode, when I taped it on VHS, is actually cut off with some random news they were doing there. So I don't get to see this whole bit for the first, I think it cut, I don't get to see anything until Ken and Gerard find about the early flight. So I rarely get to see the first few minutes of this episode. It's just the unintentional foreshadowing from Flo and Zach at the start of this episode is delightful especially knowing about the ever so slight meltdown that happens in like 12 and the fact that you know zach is just really done with being screamed at by this point well even at the end of during the self-drive portion of last leg he's like well let's just let's just quit then if you're done with the race and then this will come up repeatedly in the taxi cab after they land in ho chi minh city but uh i want to talk about the Derek and Drew doing the worst job of stealing a cab I've ever seen. Because they go up, because Ken and Gerard order, are the only team that order a taxi for themselves. And then the driver comes up and says, oh, are you Mr. Ken? No, I mean, wait, yes, 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 we both are Mr. Ken. I'm Mr. Ken the first, Mr. Ken two. No, no, wait, I'm not. I can never be Mr. Ken. I wish I could be. 
<laughs> Another taxi driver says, um, I'm going to make a judgment call here and say you aren't Mr. Ken. And I'm just going to not, I'm just not going to pick you guys up. <laughs> I had forgotten how good this episode is. Cause I watched it seven weeks ago when we were going to record this episode. And I've just literally rewatched it now to make sure my notes are, are good on it. And it's just such a fun episode, especially as I have been to the Ho Chi Minh locations that they go to, obviously. I have been to Rex Square, and in fact, so is Amazing Race Canada. It was the uh, the pit stop for leg four of Amazing Race Canada four. It's officially labelled as City Hall, but it's actually in like in Rex Square is where Monty was waiting. Ah. Uh, so yeah, Derek and Drew, 10.22pm, Ken and Gerard at 10.33, Flo and Zach at 10.34, and Terry Neen at 10.45. Gerard finds out that there is an 11.30pm flight to Kuala Lumpur that they can take, and then we get the first bit of uh, Terry Neen's two-episode arc here of Ian being in Vietnam for the war. And he says he's not been back since he was in the war, and there are a lot of mixed emotions. That's the thing with getting older teams on there, is that you can actually you can have a team where one of the team members served in, in the Vietnam War. Mm. And he served it. He was in it before a lot of these teams were even born like Flo and, Flo and Zach and Derek and Drew I think they were born after the Vietnam War was over yeah because Ian says it was 30 years since he went back you know over 30 because he said he was there when he was 18 I think yeah so it would have been th- 31 years in that case he really get he gets really quiet too when he finds out they're going to Vietnam yeah the camera focuses on him and you're just like the editors knew that this is coming, and they knew that it would be important to make sure that they had it, but yeah. ooh, that's an interesting reaction. The thing is, they would have got visas for Vietnam. They had to have got visas for Vietnam, because I did when I went there. Yeah, everyone, yeah. I think if you live in if you live in Canada or the States, you, yeah, you have to have a visa. He would have known that it was a possibility for them to be going to Vietnam, and I think he'd probably hoped that it wouldn't happen. And then when when they rip open the clue in Singapore, he's just basically going, please be any other Asian country that isn't Vietnam. Please be any other Asian country that isn't Vietnam. And when Terry says, fly to Ho Chi Minh City, he just goes, ah, oh, shite. This is like my worst nightmare. And now Phil's like, can we just go to Nepal once? Can we go to Nepal once? Can we go to Nepal once? <laughs> Why wasn't I the host of the Israeli version? <laughs> I don't know what the... Um what the decoy visas would have been for this season as well. That would have been really interesting to find out. Yeah, I don't know if they were still... Because they discontinued decoy visas quite early on in the series. But can you imagine, oh, you're not actually going to Laos or Cambodia. You're going to go to the country where you served in a war when you were a teenager. Have fun. Yeah, because this came up on Reddit last week as to whether the route and tasks are set before or after the teams are. And they're done independently. This is just a happy coincidence that they have someone in this cast who was in the Vietnam War and is still around for Vietnam. I don't know if I would say happy coincidence. Well, you know what I mean. Hmm. It was entirely a coincidence that Ian was in this cast and that Ian got to leg 11 to be able to go to Vietnam. That's the thing. It's the exact same as Amazing Race 14 with there being so many audio tasks and Luke being deaf. Like, that is just an unhappy coincidence for him. Or Sammy and Victor having three legs in China where they speak Mandarin. That's just a coincidence, because they wouldn't be able to rig it for, for one team or rig it against another. That's just not how it works. 
or the only fast forward in all of season 25 was a surfing fast forward when you have a person in the cast who yeah. is extremely famous for surfing. Exactly. The casting team and the locations and SAS teams work completely separately. And it's just a, an unhappy coincidence or a happy coincidence, depending on who you are and what it is, that these things happen and that it does come up. That's just how it works. So Drew says that he likes Flo because she knows what she wants, and he says it's probably not the best time to be courting someone, which is a phrase that definitely dates this episode. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and it is something I missed on the uh, the first watch of this episode, and when I watched it again earlier, I'm like, he did say courting someone. Was he born in, in like, Regency times? <laughs> Mind you, maybe in small town America they still say stuff like that. Yeah, in Florida. It's classic Florida behavior. Oh, yeah. Courting, yeah, Florida, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't think that happens during, uh, in, in Florida now or, or in general. You don't court, you don't court somebody now. Relationships move a lot faster. <laughs> you, you swipe. Have you seen Spring now? Break? <laughs> what happens at Spring Break stays in Spring Break. So everyone borrows their driver's mobile phones to try and book the flights. Flo and Zach find a 6am flight via Kuala Lumpur, and Terry and Ian find a 6.50am one. And Ken and Gerard arrive at Changi with nine minutes to spare till they close the gates. They don't want to be in the final three with Derek and Drew, who arrive two minutes later. And Ken and Gerard have three minutes to run through Changi Airport, which is not an easy feat, before the gate gets closed. And Derek and Drew are left behind for the night. It's not an easy feat for Ken's feet. I don't think now you would ever be able to run from the check-in desk of Changi to the gate within three minutes. Changi is a very big airport. <laughs> I think it's one of the biggest airports I've ever been to. I think it's grown a lot in the, well, not so much during the pandemic, but I think in the 18 years following this, I'm sure I wouldn't be surprised if Kuala Lumpur was viewed as the bigger airport at the time. And Changi was just slowly building itself up into the being the main airport for Asia, Asia now. Yeah, I mean, we said this last week. I would definitely consider Changi a better airport to fly through than Kuala Lumpur in terms of connections and stuff. Do you think Changi is the the biggest airport, like the most known airport in Asia? Probably the most known. I don't know about biggest though. Biggest mm. it definitely isn't, because Beijing capital's uh, the seventh largest in the world, by passenger traffic at least. But mm. I, I would say in terms of connections in a a country that isn't going to be arseholeish to transfer through, Singapore Changi is definitely one of the better airports to do that for. Yeah. Oh, it's That airport's amazing. I mean, uh, Yes Theory even had, I don't know if we mentioned this quote-unquote last week, but stop, stop dating the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, Siri had a YouTube video where they try to sleep in Changi Airport and try and stay there for 72 or 96 hours without being caught. Like they said, oh, we're flying to LA. And then they just never board the flight and they just heck around in there for 72 hours. <laughs> Changi is the only airport I know that has a water park. And a butterfly sanctuary. And I think it has at least two cinemas as well. Yeah, I was about to say, I'm pretty sure they have a movie theatre that they hung out in. That's in the domestic terminal, I think. But Changi is such a cool airport to fly through anyway. But just in terms of connecting there, it's got loads and loads of connections. And I mean, since Amazing Race filmed, 
there for the first time that we're talking about here. Stuff like Ho Chi Minh City, you could definitely fly to Ho Chi Minh City from from Singapore now because Air Asia and stuff are there. But Singapore as a country is a very pleasant place to fly through, I would say, oh, yeah. in terms of visa rules and stuff as well. Like it's super easy to to fly through Changi, and this is not sponsored by Changi Airport, but I do love Changi. <laughs> and if they did want to sponsor us and or fly us to Singapore, be my guest. Oh, definitely. All of us from different corners of the globe. I am more than happy to sell out for a Changi sponsorship here. Hmm. So Derek and Drew see the eleven thirty p.m. flight, but there's no way anyone got on that. Yeah, no, there's no way anyone got on that. There's not no way in hell. And then you cut to Ken and Gerard on the plane. <laughs> the best thing is this is a completely unfortunate coincidence because as we know in more recent seasons they do read the pit stop times so that people can't fly out too early and stuff this is a an unhappy coincidence for ken and gerard that they were leaving early enough that they could go to kuala lumpur but then not get a connecting flight whereas if this had happened in a later season we would think oh yeah they've deliberately rigged those pit stop times to make sure that they can't fly too far away and get too far a lead yep there's no way they would just let Teams be separated by different airports. I mean, now they don't even... They make sure everyone starts the leg in the destination city at the same time, and they don't do any equalizers once once you're there, unless it's at the very start when you first land and have everyone sleep in a cave or a hotel or... In a cave. Outside. God, remember that. <laughs> oh, the good times of the mine five. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it's been it's been a year now, and people are still traumatized about the mine five, <laughs> aren't they? It's just the mine. <laughs> the best thing is, I think by the time this episode comes out, James and Will will actually be married. <laughs> I think it is not too long away now. I think it's yeah. only about a month and a half as as of the time of recording. Yeah, this wasn't. As we're getting, we're closing in on three years since the last season finished filming, right? I thought it was like November of 2018. Yeah, yeah. so it was. It's three years. Wow. And we're closing in on five years since a good season of Amazing Race finished filming. Yep. Wait, wait. But Amazing Race Australia 5 was aired this year, Michael. Yeah, I know. I'm fully aware of that fact. Yes, it was. (laughs) I saw the uh, the trailers for Mass Singer Australia a couple of weeks ago, and in one of them, Jackie O says, "You sound like Bo Ryan," and I said to Bindles, "That is not a compliment." <laughs> <laughs> but it is the sort of show he would do, so I'm yes. calling it now. He probably will end up turning up on Mass Singer. Jesus, he's a... oh, he's not. He's not a TV presenter either. God. So when Zach is ringing for flights from their cab, Flo asks him to book tickets for Derek and Drew too. And by this point, I think Zach just doesn't want to say no to her. I think in any other situation, he'd go, no, of course I'm not going to do that. We're in the final four, for the love of God. But yeah, he, he just wants an easy life. And he just says, <laughs> yes, yes, I'll do it, whatever. And Derek and Drew find out about it when they ring the airline themselves. He said, oh, we're in the final four and another team is making sure we're gonna go to the final three with them okay <laughs> it would be funny though if they say well i guess flo and zach booked tickets for us and it wasn't even flo and zach it was just some random stranger it was ken and gerard yeah ken and gerard <laughs> booked i guess the brotherhood's back on wait terry neen booked tickets for us <laughs> <laughs> over his dead body jeez and for some reason during this uh during these airport scenes they love to use the that seductive jazz music once more with 
Ian clicking his heels in the air as he pushes uh as he pushes the luggage cart. It would have been really tempting to try and find a um a screen grab of that for the banner, but it just moves too quick. And then I believe Gerard clicks his heels in this episode too when they get to Kuala Lumpur. There's no place like Ho Chi Minh City. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> that was quick. I like how Derek and Drew even say, oh, there's no way anybody got on that flight. Ken and Gerard probably went to the hotel. Just no one wants to entertain the possibility that, hmm, maybe they got on that 1130 flight that some of you barely missed. Mm. Yeah, it's like after 10 episodes, do you really think that Ken and Gerard gave up on trying to find a good flight? And then, of course, that five-hour lead completely goes away because everyone has to fly this, use the same flight to, uh, to Ho Chi Minh City from Kuala Lumpur. And then Ian gets the classic equalizer quote of, not particularly glad we're all together, but happy we're not behind either. Yeah. But the uh, the second way you can actually date this episode is by Derek or Drew doing a Dr. Evil impression when Ken and Gerard walk up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I also love how in every single flight scene we see Terry and Ian in, they are always sleeping. There is zero exceptions during the season of this. They are always sleeping on a flight. Old people... They like to sleep in airports. Well, I think it's a good thing, isn't it? Then you've got your energy. It is, but it's a really fun running joke that you never see Terry and Ian awake on a flight. <laughs> They're good at falling asleep. Yeah. And now I'm going to meet for 10 minutes while Michelle rants about the next scene because Flo and Zach go in separate immigration queues. Flo moves much quicker. But Zach isn't comfortable with cussing a line. And as a result, Derek and Drew leave the airport in first, with Ken and Gerard in second, and Terry and Ian in third. I'm going to mute. This is where I'm okay with Flo. And Zach is being an idiot. What the hell? Move lines. Do you know every airport that my husband and I go to, we stand in different lines. We never stand in the same line. And then whoever's going faster, we just move over. That's just common practice. What is wrong with him? Continue. That was not what Michael was expecting. (laughs) (laughs) Line side. (laughs) But to be fair, I know we're going to get some good Michelle rants next week. (laughs) Yeah, this is, for people who aren't aware of it, a scene like this can't even happen anymore because they wait until everyone clears immigration and then they start the leg. Which to me is kind of a joke because getting through immigration is that's a part of travel. Mm. That makes it a much more authentic race when you when you include the immigration lines into your race time, like, oh, who was able to pick out the faster the faster line and clear through immigration and get through the airport and find out how to get into a taxi? It's just more hand holding when they say, Okay, we don't want anybody getting a lead or falling behind based on where they were in the plane or where they go in immigration, so everyone just starts from baggage claim, and then you're off and running. It's less about the travel and more about the challenges. Yeah. Even though it's it's funny because it's still about getting from point A to point B most of the time, and the challenges still, to this day, aren't even really that much of a factor for who stays and who goes home. But here's a, yeah, here's a classic travel scene of, oh, yeah, getting through immigration line is a part of travel, and then what are you willing to do ethically? Are you willing to be like flow and say hey can i cut in line thanks thanks th- thanks for helping me out or do you go or are you zach where you say nope i'm not willing to cross that line even if uh, half a million dollars for me is on the line 
I'm just going to be completely uh, respectful. I mean, it's not like when you cut a line, you say, hey, douchebag, I'm in front of you now. But he's not cutting a line. He's just joining in with Flo. I mean, he's traveling with Flo. Yeah, you could say, oh, wait, uh, my, my, yeah, my quote-unquote girlfriend is over there. I'm going to go join Flo. Excuse me, sir. Tom and I even talk over the lines. Like, he might be two lines over and I'm going, I think I'm moving faster than you. <laughs> we don't give a damn who's looking at us. <laughs> we just want to be in a fast line. <laughs> Out of interest, Michelle. Say you're at a theme park and Tom went with the girls if they were let out of the oubliette to go get food, mm-hmm. and you went yes. in the uh, you went in a roller coaster queue. Would you then expect everyone uh, between you and Tom to let him in, or would you move back? Ah, uh, no, let him in totally. If it's only one person, yeah, let him in. If it's like a party of eight, no. Correct answer. <laughs> Just checking the morality test. <laughs> what would you have done if you were Zach Logan, out of interest? I think if I knew I was losing time, I would be more inclined to find ways to get ahead and ahead in the line. I don't want to. I don't want to lose because I wasn't willing to cut in line in immigration. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think I would ask, but I think I would not be annoyed if they said no. That's the key thing. I think Zach was wrong for not asking. Yeah, I think I think a part of it too is I don't know if he just wants to. I think part of it was teaching Flo a lesson and say, "Hey, Flo, you have been so rude to me over these past ten legs. I'm now going to do little things here and there and claim these little victories for myself." So, so then he, I think he wanted to go way out of his way to say, "Okay, I'm going to do the moral thing here, and I'm going to completely respect all of these lines, even though this is the one time where Flo is." is going to be a very cunning racer. <laughs> yeah, the the problem I would potentially have if I was Zach is if they turn around and said no, then Flo's going to kick off in the immigration queue. And you don't particularly want to do that, especially in a country like Vietnam, believe me. You don't want to be stood in, in Ho Chi Minh City Airport having a screaming match at each other. Yeah. No, definitely not. You do not want to be taken aside there. Of all the countries especially, you don't want to do it in somewhere like Vietnam or China. Because I've been to Vietnam twice on cruises. And we're going to get into another place I've been there next week, actually. But I've been to Vietnam twice on cruises. And both times you have to book the organized tours. And there is someone who is a local party representative, shall we say, who is also on the bus to make sure you're not doing anything to, to undermine the, uh, the communist state in Vietnam. And it was exactly the same in, uh, in China. We had to do organized tours in China as well. Mm. Yeah, you don't want to you don't want to fall out of the etiquette there, I don't think. No, I think if you were an actual tourist, i.e. not on a cruise, you'd be absolutely fine in terms of being able to travel around and stuff without having to be accompanied on a um on a guided tour and stuff, but with cruises for some reason they do love a guided tour on there. And most of the cruise boards we went to to be fair were like 2 hours away from the actual cities and stuff, so you kind of needed some transport or some description. But they don't particularly look kindly in um, in China, especially, but Vietnam as well, in uh, in you disparaging the uh, the party. What's funny with the uh, when Flo stand in line, she sees each team progressively get ahead of Zach and go and just run by her after the immigration point when she's just waiting for Zach and it's like, oh, there's Derek and Drew, they're in a cab. Oh, there's Ken Gerard, and oh, even Terry and Ian, they're they're through. <laughs> And then this is the big fight of the episode between Flo and Zach. 
You can't win this race without cutting lines, Zack. And then Zack's like, I disagree. Circle gets the square. <laughs> Zack is right. You can win the race without cutting lines. <laughs> yeah, I think I think a lot of this sort of stuff would get cut out normally if it didn't actually have any relevance to the episode. But it just gets so vicious in the in the taxi. I'm thinking I'm wondering what the hell the taxi driver was thinking this whole time. Because Flo, yeah. Flo is in tears, and then she, she just goes on to say, I refuse to get screwed because of something so stupid. The other thing as well is the fact that Flo, of all the countries they go to in this race, Flo actually has a bit of an advantage with Vietnam, because a lot of people in Vietnam speak French. It's a former French colony. So she actually could have done really well with the travel in this leg and next leg, purely because she has a common language with them. She wouldn't have known that, though. I don't know. There's a fair bit of French signage in um, in Ho Chi Minh City. You'd be surprised. Is there really? A lot of people in um, in Vietnam still speak French. Not as a first language, but as a second language. And you could wow. definitely get by with the knowledge of French in uh, in Vietnam. But a lot of them speak English as well. Hmm. I'm curious how that's changed uh, since Season 3 aired. How much further they've gotten away from the French Indochino history. I think a lot of older people in Vietnam speak French as a second language, and a lot of younger people speak English. So if you've got yeah. knowledge of both, you kind of quids in in Vietnam. Vietnam's a fun country. I like Vietnam. I haven't been there yet. Oh, yeah, then the fight still gets real, continues getting really vicious in the cab because Flo keeps on repeating the same point, and she's in tears. And Zach, I, I had never noticed this before, but he just says, you done? <laughs> then Flo says, no, it's not a joke, Zach. And then Zach says, I'm just trying to enjoy the race. <laughs> I know, and I'm thinking he shouldn't have said, are you done? I'm thinking, are you stupid? Now she's going to ramp up even more. And I'm thinking, man, if I just said, you done to GN, I don't think she would take that too well. <laughs> <You done>? <laughs> no. <laughs> I wouldn't either. <laughs> I don't think couples should be saying that to each other. <laughs> you done? <laughs> it, you know what my first line of response is? Am I done? No. <laughs> you aren't. <laughs> I'm just getting started. I know we're going to get into this in a couple of weeks' time in terms of the fact that, obviously, thanks to a little bit of gerrymandering, shall we say, me and Logan managed to get uh, Flo and Zach to be the, the number one team on the Amazing Race Rankdown on Reddit. But the comparisons that we'd like to make between Flo and Zach and Brooke and Scott I think are much starker when you consider that Zach is way more snarky with Flo than you remember on a first watch this season. On a first watch this season, you think, oh, Flo's evil, she screams, she's so argumentative and everything. But if you watch it back like we have been doing, Zach is very sneaky funny, and Zach gives almost as good as he gets here. And mm. the comparison to Scott there as well, obviously I love Brooke, obviously I love Scott, and Brooke is nowhere near as, like, argumentative as Flo, but the fact that Zach does chat back to Flo as well almost as much as Scott does to Brooke makes them a better team still for me. There's just something about the humanity in Vietnam that makes both teams go a bit more haywire than usual. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it is. It's Vietnam as a country. Vietnam as a country is super fun to go to as a tourist, but I think on The Amazing Race and on any other show it elevates the program because if you think of belgium mole belgium mole is fantastic anyway but the vietnam season was somewhere else just 
as a place and as a culture, Vietnam works so well on reality TV. And you see it in this episode and you see it in the next episode as well. And the and the I mean the best parts of the fight it's just so it's just so amazing when Flo says, You're trivializing everything and then Jitzak does his best Matthew McConaughey impression, says, All right, all right. And Flo says, You are. What kind of sense does that make? And then of course we get the episode title of Don't Play the Moralist Now. And then and then Zach says, It makes as much sense to you as you not wanting to bungee jump or repel makes as much sense to me. And then Flo says, that's so ignorant and obnoxious, Zach. You know there's a thousand physical risks associated with bungee jumping. Are there any physical risks associated with cutting in line? Yeah, you might get stabbed. <laughs> yeah. You might get stabbed. You might get, you might get a talking to by the party. <laughs> and then, of course, the fight concludes with, I'm tired of overriding your decisions. I'm tired of it, Zach. And then Zach's like, well, if you're tired of it, why not just quit? Come at me, bro. Just quit. I dare you. You want to quit at Final Four? The final elimination leg before a million? Seriously, can you imagine if if she had gone, okay, then we'll quit. Yeah, and end of episode. On the Final Four leg. Phil has to get into the taxi cab and eliminate them. It'd be so funny. Obviously, it would then have spared us the utter insanity of episode 12, but it would have been so funny just for the public reaction, because I can only imagine what it would have been like at the time, never mind right now, where everyone has a Twitter account and everyone is a dick on Twitter. Um, yeah, I would love what would happen, not love, I would probably be quite annoyed with what happens on social media with this episode. And the sky gets as angry as Flo is right now. Classic tropical storm coming in. Yeah, I think uh, Zach's looked up and he's like, <laughs> he says, oh, it looks like the storm of the century. Oh, and it looks like it's about to rain. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone remembers Zach as being really kind of in the background and very much Flo's yes man. And he is very much not Flo's yes man. He is way more snarky with her than people ever gave him credit for. Oh, I had a tough time getting that joke out. Um... And then we get the detour. We get the first task of the episode. And you might be thinking, oh, you guys took way too long with this podcast. You're taking forever to get to this task. But <laughs> the airport and this taxi cab fight scene takes up the first half of the episode. It goes pretty quick from here. Yeah, there are two tasks, both of which are perfectly all right. And there's some moments in them, but nowhere near as many moments as the immigration room and the cab on the way from Rex Square to Kaibei's floating market. Yeah, this is when people, when casual websites and regular news and regular people watching Amazing Race are saying, wow, that flow character is quite something, eh? <laughs> she certainly is. <laughs> so the detour is Easy Buy or Hard Sell. In Easy Buy, teams must take a sampan to the one stall that sells water coconuts on the floating market, known in Vietnamese as Yuanuk and buy one for whatever price they can. Attached to their coconut will be their next clue. In hard sell, teams must take baskets of fruit into the land market and sell them for 40,000 Vietnamese dong, approximately $2.50, and take them to a seller to get their next clue. Which one would you guys have done? <laughs> dong. Um, um... Hard sell seems like it has more of a guaranteed task time. Yeah, and if I was clever at the time and did it, 
like the others did it, just sold a lot more fruit cheaper. I think I'd do that. I think Ken and Gerard spotted the loophole in this very quickly. Didn't they? You don't have a minimum price, and most of the time in a selling task, you'll have a minimum price. You can sell it for whatever you want, but it has to be at least this amount per piece of fruit. Hmm. And they were just going, here, take all this fruit and give me just this little pittance amount of money. Can you imagine being a legitimate fruit vendor there and you're thinking, I'm I'm living in a shack, I have nothing, all I have is this job of selling fruit to people, and then an amazing race team comes along and undercuts your your what you're selling. It's like, well, I guess I'm not selling any fruit today because that jackass is selling it for three cents instead of ten cents. <laughs> I can't compete with that. I guess I'm gonna starve. It's fair to say Vietnam is a very cheap country. Not as cheap as South Africa, but it is a very cheap country. South Africa cheap? South Africa is super cheap once you get there. Yeah, it's the cheapest place I've ever been for food. So, so cheap. We were getting like three course meals for the equivalent of £10. Including drinks. (laughs) It's a very, very cheap place. The first night we were in Cape Town, we actually thought that we'd misread how much it was on the bill because of how cheap it was. And the the rand rate has actually shifted even further now. So it'd be even cheaper. Yeah, because they're in a bit of economic turmoil the past few years. Yeah, if anyone could actually travel to South Africa, which we can't. <laughs> so Ken and Gerard choose Easy Buy, and as Logan said, a storm rolls in just as Ken and Gerard set off. That won't complicate things. We're trying to find things in a floating market. When they're all covered up. <laughs> <laughs> And did you also notice that, evidently inspired by Team Guido, Ken and Gerard have their own merch? No. Was it Old Brother Rain Ponchos? Uh, Gerard was wearing a Team O Brother cap in the boat. Oh. And I only spotted it on my second rewatch of this episode, because it was hidden by his hood, but it did quite clearly say Team O Brother on his cap. I did not know that. Hmm. And I've seen this episode God knows how many times since I've <laughs> over the years. Pay attention, Saunders. Sorry, I'm just I was too too fixated on whatever other details there are. <laughs> I thought you were meant to be the Tarstorian here. Yeah, well, I guess hat merch isn't in my isn't in my line of view for observations. <sighs> Some people. Oh, oh, don't play them don't play the moralist now, Michael. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so Terry and Ian arrive in second with Derek and Drew in third and both of them choose the easy buy as well and then Ken and Gerard switch back to hard sell breaking a Michelle Pierce Denivan rule Derek and Drew have umbrellas because of course they do <laughs> and then Ken and Gerard celebrate pretend to celebrate as they go back we did it, we've already finished the task in your face Derek and Drew have fun riding the, riding the boat during this massive storm and then we get another Flo and Zach epic fight as they have another argument about their bags when they finally get to Kai Bay. And the clue boxes move for them to the entrance of the market this time because of the storm. Yeah, and Flo yells at Zach to put the bags under the tent. Oh my god, poor Zach. He was getting the bags out of the trunk and she was still screaming at him. There was another bleeped out F-bomb too because she says, you, you need to ask me for a sack. This is so fucked up. <laughs> and then he's like, I, I, oh, hang on, hang on, Flo. I just want to grab a raincoat first. And then Flo was like, we don't have time. <laughs> We're already behind. This could be an elimination. Like, 
When does she scream at him, why are you leaving me here? That was after the detail. He got the detail clue and wanted to move under a, an awning or something. And she said, why are you leaving me here? I'm like, move your ass, Flo. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. It was a classic point of my early blogging days because people wrote to me about about comparing Flo to to video game characters where there are certain missions where you have to have a character like Natalia from 007 Goldeneye for the Nintendo 64 where you have to help guide the AI to a rescue point. But the AI is, since it's in older video games, they're not as well designed. So you have to be right next to them for them to know to follow you. So it's like, Flo, Flo is like one of these AI characters because if you deviate more than two feet away from her, she'll just stand in this one spot being like, what are you doing? You're leaving me here. <laughs> I can't move. You have to physically grab my arm and then lead me out of the market and then I'll follow you to the next point. Mm, Jesus. <laughs> I do wonder what Flo thinks about the audience reaction because she kind of disappeared off the face of the earth. What's funny is that she's done this two other times during the season because I think there is the jet ski during leg two, during the Mexico leg, where where Zach gets off the jet ski and flows like, um, a little help. And then in leg three, where they do the the biking detour and Zach grabs the clue under the bridge and flows down on the boats and she's like, um, hello. <laughs> and he has to grab her off the end. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I have legs, but I can't move. <laughs> oh, I know. I remember that as well. Where's my wheelchair? Oh, this season wouldn't be nearly as good without Flo, would it? I think the best reaction this time was after the detour was over that Flo was... It wasn't like there was a boat obstructing her or a jet ski where she was just too afraid to like jump to the next boat or jump into the water. Here, they're just on regular flat ground, and she's like, why are you leaving me here? And, and then Zach has the most bewildered look on his face. I've never seen somebody look as bewildered as that, where he just looks and says, you, you, you can move. You have nothing in your hands. All you have to do is move your legs and you are with me. I don't know. I don't understand what you need help with. <laughs> do you think in part, it might be slightly due to the fact that Vietnam wasn't really on the tourist radar in 2002? Oh, that Flo was too scared to just start walking when she was too far away from Zach, but he was right. It's... What? No, no excuse for no excuse for Flo. She's being an idiot. I'm sorry. I'm not Jesus. using it as an excuse for Flo, but I think looking back on this in 2021, as we obviously are, I think Vietnam is much more on people's travel radar now than it was in 2002. It doesn't mean you can't walk. Yeah, it doesn't mean you can't walk, but in terms of like being thrust into a crowded market in a country where all you probably know about it and all you've probably heard about it growing up was the war, I don't know whether that changes people's perception of it. I understand what you're saying. However, no matter where I went, when I was a lot younger and I was with Tom, no matter where we went, I would stay by his side. I would not stand away from him and suddenly say, why are you leaving me here? I would always be by his side. Not that it mattered. He still got fleeced in New Orleans anyway. And I was just standing there with him going, oh, this is great. This is this is fantastic. But at least I was right by his side. <laughs> yeah, I'm not making excuses for flow, but it's just something I've thought of when you guys are having that discussion that a country like Vietnam 
maybe would have been a bit of a scary prospect to to some Americans in 2002. And on the other side of the spectrum, Ian is having the time of his life in Ho Chi Minh City. Yeah, because Ian's actually allowed to enjoy his time there rather than, you know, being shot at. <laughs> it makes a big difference. Imagine, imagine Flo in the Vietnam War. <laughs> <laughs> this is just preposterous thing to even bring up. <laughs> She'd be screaming for that to reload a rifle for her. Oh, Jesus Christ. Can you imagine, like, the whole platoon's marching out, and then they're slightly, like, two steps ahead of Flo, and then she just she just stops with her she stops with her gun and, you know, the Vietnam War helmets, and she's like, the pl- platoon? Why are you leaving me? <laughs> <laughs> and then somebody's like, oh, I don't know if we should use Agent Orange. Oh, don't play the moralist now. Okay, stop. <laughs> <laughs> She ends right here and is probably going, what the fuck are you doing, Logan? I know. Those aren't even words coming out. <laughs> are you watching Chappelle's show again? <laughs> oh. oh, this It's just the idea of a flow being thrust into the Vietnam War. <laughs> I'm just picturing her trying to get up and over walls and Wearing camouflage and going in the dirt. Oh. So Flo and Zach choose the shoulder baskets and follow Ken and Gerard, correctly assuming that they switch desaws and the other one's hard. And Terry and Ian are the first to find the water coconuts, and both they and Derek and Drew seem to be shouting Nook Nook at the vendors. Nook Nook. <laughs> no, it's you, Nook. It's the funniest thing to yell. Which isn't what Phil said it was actually called in Vietnamese. Yeah, especially when Terry and Ian are trying to talk really loudly, and it's not just they're doing it because they're old and can't hear each other, but because it's just really loud with the boat motor, So, and the storm is really loud too, so Ian has to be like, Nook, Nook. <laughs> or when they're just screaming that they want Nook Nook in this market. It's like, it's rough. If you want Nook Nook, um, there's, a, there's a district, the red light district's that way. I can offer you a massage place. That's what I was thinking of when they were yelling it, actually. I'm like, you need to stop yelling that. You might have to do karaoke at the same time, but I can offer you a massage place. <laughs> Happy endings are extra for some extra dong. So teams must now return to Ho Chi Minh City and find the route marker at the edge of the Saigon River, where they will find their next clue. Derek and Drew follow Terry and Ian and leave in second. Ken and Gerard find the loophole and resort to selling entire baskets for 10,000 dong and go back for more, and then leave in third. Flo and Zach end up checking in 500 dong shorts. Flo says she is emotionally and physically exhausted. I, I don't doubt it. I think most of Flo's absurd behavior is from just being completely drained. Like season three, seasons three and four specifically, and to a lesser extent five, I know really kicked the contestants' asses pretty much all season long. Yeah, if you think less than a week ago, they would have been probably... Probably meeting Casperley a week before this filmed. And in that time, they've gone Germany, Austria, Germany, then to Switzerland for two legs, then to Malaysia, then Singapore, and now Vietnam. All in the space of probably about a week. Yeah. And none of those days have been short or anything. Because they've had to, because remember, they're doing a lot of things themselves too compared to Amazing Race nowadays. They had to book their own hotel, 
they had to be stuck in airports overnight. Like they have to budget and everything all by themselves. So there's just a lot more, a lot more decision making. I remember there's all these articles about decision fatigue. And I think in the early seasons of Amazing Race, I wouldn't be surprised if half of your energy is just spent on making all of these decisions that just add up in addition to having to complete these individual challenges on the race too. Yeah, when you rewatch this season and hate on flow, just remember she is probably absolutely running on fumes by this point of the season. <laughs> of course she's going to have blow-ups with people because they do these things deliberately. They exhaust the teams, or did in the older days, exhausting the teams to try and get these fun character moments. So just remember that before you start sending flow death threats. And Zach's, Zach's hair becomes a, becomes an afro from the humidity. <laughs> That's another thing in my notes. Yeah. I'm thinking, Zach, Zach's pretty much got like pretty much an afro going on. <laughs> I think Vietnam is the most humid place I have ever been. When I was in Ho Chi Minh City the first time, I have a picture that I've never been allowed to put on Facebook of my brother's back because he was wearing a grey t-shirt and it was just black, basically, with sweat. What, worse than Singapore? Yeah, Singapore hasn't been as humid both times I've been there to, compared to Vietnam. Vietnam was very, very humid both times I went there. It was like 100% humidity all four days I've been there. And they were suffering in Singapore from the humidity because they're constantly, they were constantly fanning themselves when they first checked out of the pit stop for this leg and it was 11 o'clock at night. And they're like, oh. and Flo was just working the fan as fast as she can, thinking, oh, it's so hot. I'm not going to go up those because I think Zach had to walk up two flights of stairs just to call a taxi. And the Flo says, no, I'm not going up there. I'm waiting at the bottom of these stairs. I don't care about the 30 foot rule. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck your distance rules. Yeah, pretty much. So the roadblock is who has strong legs and a strong back. In this roadblock, one team member must transport their teammate along a course marked with flags using a cyclo onto a ferry and onto the other side of the river to Cafe 2TM, the pit stop for this leg of the race. The last team to check in will be the last team to be eliminated. And it is Ian, Zach, Gerard and Derek doing the roadblock. You mean when they looked at strong legs and a strong back, Flo and Zach didn't think, oh, it's your turn, Flo. You haven't done a roadblock in a while. Oh, they really should have done that just for our own amusement. Because they still mm. wouldn't have got eliminated, but it would have been so funny. Imagine if there was a roadblock rule by this point in the race. If your partner has done nine roadblocks and you have done one, your partner must do their second roadblock. Hmm. To be fair, if there was a roadblock rule, I think Flo would have done some of the other ones. It's just she didn't need to. Yeah. Yeah. Fast legs and fast speed, that's you. I like how Ian, when he looks at the roadblock clue, he's like, oh, I guess I'm, guess I'm doing it. And then you cut five minutes later, and I've never seen have seen somebody have so much fun at a roadblock task all season long. I think that would have been a pretty fun roadblock to do, actually. Because especially if you know you're in the front like Terry and Ian do, because they would have seen four cyclos there. They can just be relaxed enough that they know that they're going to get on that ferry. They know exactly where they're going. Mm. And more importantly, they will then be able to watch out for another team. If they don't see anyone else board that ferry, they know they've won this leg of the race and probably a prize and rehabilitated Vietnam in Ian's mind. So there's nothing for Terry and Ian to lose by having a little fun here. And also, you're not riding on a road with heaps of motorbikes, unlike most of Vietnam. <laughs> so it wouldn't have been as terrifying because mm. crossing roads in Ho Chi Minh City at times, it's like a real-life game of Frogger. 
there was a particular road that um, that we crossed the first time we were in Ho Chi Minh City, where we were going to McDonald's or something for lunch because we're cheapos, and um, I think it was a six-lane road that led onto the motorway. All six lanes on each side were filled with motorbikes going about 40 miles an hour. God, I'd love to have seen that. I want to see that. It was interesting. It was an experience. Was it with your dad and mum and your brother? No, it's just me and Mark. Me and my okay. Brother. And did you move as one together in your Frogger game? Or did you <laughs> did you hold on to each other? <laughs> no, literally, you just what they tell you before you go to Vietnam when you get like the cruise information is like if you're crossing a road in Vietnam just move they will go around you just stay at a steady pace walk in a straight line as much as you can and just don't look sideways don't look don't hesitate just walk were you screaming at any point no because they gave us good information they they told us the truth to just walk straight across even pace they will just drive around you it was it was terrifying and yeah i did my hand did get clipped by uh, one of the wing mirrors that has just come back oh to me my god i'm sorry how funny would it have been two english guys running across the road screaming <laughs> it's not even running it's just you walk at an even pace and they will just drive oh around you because they're used to doing that oh jeez. i had completely forgotten about that until we just started talking about um mm. those things it's <laughs> gold I really recommend Vietnam, though. Vietnam is uh, is a very interesting country. You have to go there eventually. We will be talking far more about the the really interesting bit of Vietnam next week because uh, they go to Hue, where I have also been, and the Imperial City is amazing. But yeah, it was it was very interesting both times I've been to Ho Chi Minh City. So where were we? Did you also notice the continuity error in Terry and Ian at the uh, at the roadblock at the start before nope. they get on the ferry? They don't have their bags when they set off, and yet they have them by the time they get to the ferry. Mm. They leave the um, the cyclo place with absolutely no luggage, and then by the time that they get to the ferry, Terry is carrying both of their bags. So, what do you think happened? Well, my inkling is when when they left the taxi, the boot was slightly open. I think so. Perhaps they drove past, picked up the um, the rucksacks from the boot, and um, and paid the driver at the same time. But then we just didn't see it. Mm. But you would have thought there would have been something in the roadblock clue that says, get your bags now before you get on the cyclones. Yeah. But it was just an interesting continuity error, because I actually had it written in my notes, like, where are Terry and Ian's bags? Because, you know, they're going to the pit stop, they know they're going to the pit stop. Yeah, normally I have bag things written down, and I didn't this time. And yeah, by the time that they got to the ferry, at least, Terry was carrying both of their bags. Maybe there's just a certain car where production handled the bags or something? I don't know. It's just just something interesting that I spotted. So Derek and Drew miss a clue box, but see the big yellow flag leaning onto the ferry. And they go the wrong way when following the little flags. Ken and Jar doing the same thing, but Flo and Zach don't. And it is Terry and Ian who check in first and win a European cruise on Splendor of the Seas. With truly terrible additional voiceover from Phil. It is hmm. very noticeable how frank and edited this is. Yeah, I noticed that. Even Michelle noticed it. That's how terrible the frank and edit was. <laughs> but yeah, they have a um, a particularly understated reaction to being told that they've checked in first, I would say. Well, Ian looks like he just 
more or less climaxed. And then Terry looks like she's about, she's a bird flying away to another country. (laughs) It brings me such joy to finally see a leg where Terry and Ian seem to be having the time of their lives. Because I'd always remembered them as being a more fun-loving team than people give them credit for. And in this leg and next leg, you definitely see it a bit more. And this is their first true leg win of the season after how many times they've been second to last all season long and now they just they destroyed everybody this leg. No one was even remotely close to them. Yeah, the last time they saw another team was when probably when they passed Ken and Gerard on the boat. Yeah, or passed Zach in the immigration line. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Derek and Drew, depending on how close they were, but Derek and Drew just said that they led them to it. I don't know whether they properly actually saw Derek and Drew after they left the detour. Yeah, so they wouldn't have really seen anybody for hours and hours. They, that's that's just how big their lead was. Yeah, and they know it. That's the thing. They know going into that roadblock that as it stands, they're in first place and they're on the way to the pit stop. So they could just kind of chill and enjoy themselves and actually have fun, which is something that Amazing Grace doesn't really give you the opportunity, both as a player and a viewer, anymore. Yeah, um, uh, D'Angelo can talk all about that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny when Flo and Zach reach the clue, they're thinking, oh, I really hope it's the final non-elimination leg of the season, because they're just convinced they're last. Well, yeah, they left the detour, and they have seen nobody since. So they are fully expecting to be 100% last, and then they go around the corner of the roadblock and see the Cyclos and see that there's three of them left, and they're like, what the hell? And then they get to the boat, and then they see... Ken and Gerard and Derek and Drew running around and Ken and Gerard are about to come on the boat and they're like, what are you guys doing? Um, You guys must be last, so you have to run back up to the flags, go all the way to the clue box, and then come back down. And it doesn't matter if we tell you or not because by that time, everyone else will have checked in. Because they did not think that, hmm, maybe another team, perhaps their closest allies, also don't have their clue yet. Mm. Perhaps the people who they arranged to go to Vietnam... The people who they booked seats for, it's like, okay, we, we got you to Vietnam. We didn't say about anything about getting you out of Vietnam. <laughs> and Ken and Gerard's cyclo tips over as they try and navigate a corner. Editors loved using this clip because we saw this clip in the in the Next Time On segment in the Singapore episode. And then in the previously on segment for the finale, they kept showing Ken and Gerard tipping over in the cyclo. Because the whole, the whole thing just gets gets dismantled as soon as ken falls out all the padding and everything just comes out to him thinking man and that was a that's it's not like falling off a little bike or anything that was that was tall that was a that was a big fall to just go onto concrete (laughs) so flo and zach checking in second and it is significantly darker than when uh, terry neen check in yeah terry neen just kicked absolute ass on this leg and Derek and Drew get the ferry across and find the park cyclos here signs, find the pit stop, but then Phil tells them to sod off they've not completed the roadblock. It'll become a bit more common in subsequent seasons, but I think that's the first time of Phil going, how did you guys get to the pit stop? <laughs> <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> yeah. We have to decide, producers, we have to do a bit better at this next time. <laughs> Granted, in this task, it's probably the easiest opportunity for a team to do this because 
they follow all you have to do is just follow the flags all the way to the pit stop. Yeah, I don't know whether they would have done that in a country where they had to get the red and yellow flags instead of the bright yellow ones. I think that may have thrown people off slightly. I think so. The fact that two out of four teams couldn't even find the clue box. And the clue box was tucked away underneath some a big tree too. Like it really and it was the same color as the gate. That's another thing I wrote down. The clue box and the gate behind it, they're the exact same color, so it just blends in perfectly. So all that's going to come out is this yellow flag that teams have not seen before all season. There's a tree hanging over it, and it blends in with the gate behind it. I was wondering how Derek and Drew just went so wrong, and there you have it. Yeah, and then, of course, then there's just a little bunch of little yellow flags. that are like, oh, I guess we just follow this path to the clue. And then that's when Derek and Drew get to the other side. And they're like, what? Park Cyclo is here. There's Phil. We haven't done a roadblock yet. This isn't a later season where they just stop doing roadblocks whenever they feel like it. <laughs> this isn't the first leg of the race. <laughs> I like it when Ken and Gerard find the clue, too, that they have to censor him again. Because I think it's Gerard who says, oh, we finally found that fucking damn clue box. <laughs> <laughs> It's a very sweary season, this. Yes. Yeah, I think we said this before, that it's the it's probably the cast of the, with the biggest potty mouse out of any cast. And that's even after Flo got lectured on the train in Portugal, saying, please don't swear anymore, otherwise we can't show you on TV. Okay, I'll just win the season then, and then you have to show me. <laughs> in your face, white male producer. <laughs> and my other favourite thing about the ending of this episode is the fact you get the moment of realisation from Flo that she may have just eliminated a boyfriend. Yeah, and she's like, well, um, if, if if Derek and Drew are eliminated because I helped Ken and Gerard, I, I guess I'd feel a little bit bad about that, but I, I don't think it was my fault. <laughs> but the better bit of this is, going back to something you said earlier in the episode, Zach takes great delight in the prospect of Derek and Drew going home because of what Flo did. Yeah, he just, he just, he just sees Derek and Drew running to the pit stop, and he's like, oh... This is going to get ugly. <laughs> it's like, oh boy, this is definitely going to be interesting now. <laughs> oh yeah, this is Flo's quote. If I had screwed over the twins, I'd be really upset, but I think they made their own decision. But Ken and Gerard also made their own decision. The only reason why they changed is because of what Flo said. On one hand, yes, Derek and Drew have to take full responsibility for being eliminated here, but I wonder what would have happened if just them and Ken and Gerard both checked into the pit stop with the, their cyclos and producers are saying, okay, it's it's getting, it's it's pitch black now, and neither team knows how to find their clue, and it's the elimination leg for the final three. What the hell do we do? Do these fairies run all night? Is it going to be another Team Guido situation where, where the one team's going to be six or eight hours behind trying to find this clue box eventually? So I'm very curious what the contingency plan was, because I don't think they anticipated two teams being completely incapable of finding the clue box. I suspect there would have been a road route. Maybe. Because yes, it's across the water. Yeah, there's a road route. I've just googled it. It would have been significantly longer for them to do that, but they definitely could have got them around. They might have had to dump the cyclos at the ferry port, and then make their way from there to the pit stop or something. But there was there was a contingency they could have done. Okay, so they definitely did have a backup plan then. But yeah, I wish I, we could have seen just how how long it would have taken because Derek and Drew only find the clue box because Ken and Gerard do very... Actually, this is quite uncharacteristic of them because Derek and Drew get to the 
get to that end fairy point to go back to the starting side. And then then Dred just uh, just looks at them and says, "Oh, hey, fellas!" And then Derek and Drew say, "Well, where, where do we where do we get those things?" And Gerard says, "All the way down. Go back all the way to that first flag. It might be a non-elimination, fellas." <laughs> but I sure hope not. I sure hope not. I hope it's a final three spot because we'll finally get the Wonder Twins out. Because you're our biggest competition. <laughs> and I just remember when this episode specifically aired because. In the first two seasons, they always had a non-elimination at Final Three. So the whole time watching it, you think, okay, there's one non-elimination left. No, pardon me. The other way around. They always had non-eliminations at Final Four. And I'm thinking, are they actually getting an eliminated team here? Or or are Derek and Drew going to be saved after this whole fiasco? Well, Phil said at the start of the roadblock, the last team's check-in will be eliminated. Oh, was a will be eliminated. Yeah, mm. it was a will be eliminated, not may be eliminated. So they're just, those poor souls are just stuck going back and forth for another, I think they said two hours, I think is what one of the teams said, that they lost two hours by going back and forth on those ferries. Because they would have to run back to get the cyclo, which would be a lot slower than riding the cyclo, and then have to get back to the ferry port, wait for the ferry to take off again. What a nightmare. Yeah, I could see it being a long time, a long night. So, Ken and Gerard do check in in third, which leaves Derek and Drew to check in last and be eliminated from the race. Mm, Other production was going, well, haven't these two been the most intelligent two of the entire race? Now we've got to wait for them to come forward and back and then forward again. Do you think that production were cheering when Ken and Gerard checks in in third? Because it's an infinitely more interesting final three with Kenny Gerard than with Derek and Drew. Definitely. As much as they would obviously claim that they don't have favourites, we know that that's nonsense. Of course they have favourites. Well, Phil says Kenny Gerard are his favourite team of all time. I don't know if that's changed in the past 20 seasons or so since he's been asked about his favourite teams, but he always says Kenny Gerard are, are his number one. So, the teams then, in one of my favourite old recurring segments the teams then start shit talking each other now that they are the final three and i think what comes out of it is that terry and ian are very underestimated yes there are two hilarious quotes in here ken says oh information sharing is over and i believe they align with terry and ian in the final leg briefly <laughs> to share information and zach says we can win in a foot race i'm thinking you can win in a foot race, but it's been very clearly established that Flo has lost foot races both to Terry and Ian and to Ken and Gerard. In fact, in the Singapore leg, you guys had a lead over Ken and Gerard, and they both passed Flo within about two seconds. So no, you cannot win in a foot race. Yep. And the the attitude from Terry and Ian is basically underestimate us, but never mind the Pollocks. Mm-hmm. I've been sitting on that pun for eight weeks. Uh, <laughs> oh, you poor thing. <laughs> so next time, teams continue racing through Vietnam, where Flo has another little meltdown. There is biking and boating and crying for an advantage of the finale. Do you want to eulogise Derek and Drew? Very run-of-the-mill, run-of-the-mill guy team. Consistently good, except didn't make it to the end. A surprisingly explosive and entertaining alpha male team. Yeah, I don't think anyone going into this season would have expected Derek and Drew to not be really boring. And they end up with being 
barely beating soccer moms to the first pit stop and then get into a showmance with the most explosive racer of the season or contestant, reality TV contestant ever, and have these really ridiculous and absurd fights and also get into ridiculous tussles with the oldest team left in the race or the oldest team in the race, period. I think in a similar way that people were sleeping on Zach, I think a lot of people slept on Derek and Drew. Who also slept with Flo. Yeah, for a number of years. But the fact of the matter is, because this season it so revolves around Flo, and then Ken and Gerard and Terry and Ian as kind of the B characters all the time, I think people forget about the sneaky fun stuff that surrounds all of those people as well. Like Zach being way sneakier, funnier than anyone gives him credit for. Like Derek and Drew, having almost as many meltdowns as Flo does by that point in the season. She does obviously overtake them, but in terms of the driving meltdowns and stuff, I think Derek and Drew have more meltdowns at one point of the season than Flo has had by that point, which is quite impressive looking back on. And like an Aaron and Ariane, for example, who are way more entertaining than people maybe remember them as for such an early boot. I think that's the thing with this cast is a lot of people forget about everyone other than Flo in this season. And Flo is obviously amazing, but there are loads of really good characters in this season. And going into the final two episodes, I think that's something to to be mindful of. Yep. Have you guys got anything else you want to say? Um, no. That was all. Hour and a half later? No, I, I think we covered it. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Michelle didn't think this was going to go this long. Just wait till no, she gets I to didn't. the final. No, <laughs> I didn't. Jeez. I did. Yeah, Logan warned us both that he had loads to say about the last three episodes of this season. Especially this one. So, thank you for listening to our Amazing Race recap. We'll be back next week to recap episode number 12. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, where we are, RTV Warriors. You can email us and contact us at rtvwarriors.com. Logan is on Twitter at logsuperquacky. Michelle is bear three And I'm OJ Harmstone. Logan and I are also back every Wednesday for Fuse Mall, Oregon. See you next week. Peace out and just chill till the next episode. Bye.